Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. You are listening to the COB Podcast here from Ausbiz. It is November the 15th. I'm your host, David Scott, joined today by Kyle Roddick in the Sydney studios. Kyle, welcome to uh, back to the show. Not a lot going on at the headline index level today again. Nothing. Down about 0.1%. Do we leave it there? Yeah, well, that will be the easy option, but uh, certainly there was a little bit more going underneath the hood of the market, but certainly, uh, like yesterday, just a really minuscule loss. Uh, this time, we, we started a much lower and then uh, worked our way back towards break-even over the course of the session. That's a bit different to what we saw yesterday. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much a topsy-turvy uh, no, comparison to what we saw on Monday because it was this time, it was the resources space where there's a little bit of profit-taking creeping in, and we saw those big gains coming through to start the week. Well, that was softer today. The material space, iron ore, all the majors were down. And lithium, that's probably what the biggest story of the other day was when it comes to a sector performance. Uh, just shellacked out of nowhere. A bit of broker activity, a bit of operational updates, some C-suite changes coming through, and swirling speculation about demand trends in China being a bit softer than expected yeah, and Wushka, they were all down uh, quite sharply today. Yeah, I'll go through the list. How about that? Core Lithium, 15.2%. Orchem, 11.87%. Sion Mining, 9.61%. Pilbara, down 8.79%. So that's four, oh, uh, Linus Rares as well, for what it's worth, 8.25%. So um, basically, it was just the lithium space making up those laggards for the session. Of course, you know, there was a bit of softness uh, in the broader market as well. Um, but yeah, if you were looking for fireworks, it was a lithium space again today. Yeah, look, it's always uh, lots of excitement around there. Core lithium, uh, one of the factors there was a downgrade coming through from Macquarie, but lots of retail money, lots of hot money in that space, and uh, don't we see it day to day? And I'm writing the market rap. It's, uh, it's generally a lithium <laughs> level two at one end of the score. Well, today it was at the bottom Coffee of paste, the score. Yeah. But other end of the spectrum, we had uh, Intertech Pivot, or Insitech, as uh, some people are going to pronounce it. It was up about 6.4% uh, out with its results flagging potential for divestments as well coming through. Also a buyback uh, up 6.4%. It was a standout on the uh, on the 200. Also United Malt Group uh, scrapped its final dividend. We talked about better times ahead, don't we? Always for better times ahead and market believe them. You know, I finished up 4.2%. Oh, it's also a bit of a snapback after that shellacking we saw coming through yesterday. Commonwealth Bank as well out with a quarterly update earlier on today. Big boost in our net interest margins. Uh, and interestingly, and it's actually been driven by business credit that's coming through there. So uh, very, very aggressive stance coming through. The market seems to like it though because when you look at the other majors in comparison, uh, they're either flat to lower. Uh, NAB was trading ex-dividend, but uh, CBA is standing out with a 1.3% odd gain. Yeah, clearly the market thought it was a decent result. Yeah, I'm just sort of looking at the uh, CBA share price. Just um, it's four. I'm going to say four bucks, five bucks, or full time high. So that's less than a five percent rally, which really in this market could be 
all of a, a week or two's trade. So it's really quite remarkable. Everyone's taken turns writing uh, the obituary of a, a bank or two over the last sort of six months. But um, it's just, you know, it continues to defy gravity, I suppose, at 1.3% higher for the Commonwealth Bank today. Yeah. Well, so there we go, as you said. And we're going to put in the dividend payments and, uh, and everything else that's been delivered to shareholders over that period of time. It could well be in accumulated terms already sitting at record highs. And you're right, it's interesting that uh, the market's got a lot of faith, I think in particular since the RBA decided to go and step down the pace of those rate increases coming through, that maybe we'll be able to go and avoid uh, a hard landing here in Australia and that might go and stave off the worst when it comes to provision needs and everything else because that's the only thing I can see at this point in time to explain why the banks are where they are at this point in time. The net interest margin expansion that was expected hasn't really come through with any gusto at this point, and when you're talking about recessions, well, they generally don't go well with the banks. At the moment, uh, punters are liking them. They think that uh, we're going to go and have a pretty smooth sailing. Let's hopefully they arrive. We can probably do without a recession at this stage. Uh, anything else uh, really caught your eye on the market today, apart from those particular areas? I know that REITs were off. Uh, that pretty much mirrored what we saw in the States as well. Of course, there's reports coming through from Amazon. I'm going to go lay off 10,000 workers. So uh, not even 10% of their workforce, but that just shows you how big that company is, of course. Yeah, huge. Um, on the stock front, not so much. I guess we had the RBA minutes that were worth just perusing just uh, if, you, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, similar language, though, 50 or 25, up to 25 on the basis that um, they want to assess the impact on future rates uh, of, of uh, sorry, um, previous rate uh increases sort of flagged the concerns around you know wage price spirals and uh, inflation psychology I, I guess you could say is the language that they've used in the past um, and sort of prefaces obviously that wage growth data that we'll get tomorrow which is expected to come in at around three percent so um, we'll see but you know a bit of a nothing burger but added a little bit of color to, to the RBA sinking because I think now you've, you've basically got a only slightly better than even um, uh, odds priced into the market that the RBA do, does go 25. It would seem to be the base case, but it's, it's certainly not considered to be uh, a, a shoe-in in, in December. Yeah, it's mentioned you know, potentially having a break over summer, and it's used the word um, summer uh, to go and evaluate the, uh, the incoming data flow. So if you put that uh, literally, uh, that does include December, although you wouldn't know it here in Adelaide. It's about... 14 degrees outside right now, but uh, we'll uh, we'll see what the next couple of days brings. But you wouldn't imagine that uh, that will probably go and help to either firm up or go and really bring the, uh, the, the the case for a pause to come through in December. But interesting, the RBA has mentioned a lot of times it's, it's logged a, a lot of you know, rate hikes into the other system and they really haven't been fully impacted on borrowers either at the variable rate level or especially the fixed rate side of things. So we'll see what uh, what happens over the next day. But as you said, uh, an acceleration expecting the wage price index, that interaction with the other uh, minimum wage increase that came through 5.2% at the start of the quarter, that will be interesting in itself. We know that it works with a bit of a lag when it comes to other rate setting procedures. But we'll see if there's any upside surprise and whether Australia really is different and not suffering anything like a wage price spiral. Certainly the, the anecdotal data elsewhere suggests we're not at this point. Uh, when it comes to uh, other things out there today, uh, you had a good chat about the ETF universe uh, out there at this point. Uh, what can you tell us? Yeah, it was a rapid fire kind of session really, especially at the back end of it. We had uh, Alistair Mills from 
data shares um, joining us at the desk and spoke about, well, I, I heard it phrased actually, and I, I like this as a Hendrix fan, uh, purple haze. That's that's the makeup now of the uh, the US Congress. So didn't get the red wave. It's a bit of blue and it's a little bit of red. Um, and we're still you know, waiting and seeing whether you know, the House is uh, truly secured by uh, the Republicans, which in the balance of probabilities looks like that will be the case. Uh, but he spoke about, you know, more or less the dynamic there, how it tends to impact markets. Equities tend to perform reasonably well when there's, I guess, uh, the, the balance of power is split in, in Congress. Um, and then also suggested a few ETFs to either play that dynamic, or if the Democrats, for whatever reason, happen to maintain control of both houses of Congress, a few inflation hedge type of trades, ETF trades, uh, that may serve an investor well. So uh, one that came with plenty of, well, quote unquote, recommendations, general advice, of course. Absolutely. I like how you said don't know as well. I like how Crimson Tide that we came up with last week to go and describe what was going on when it came to the uh, composition of you know, the House and the Senate uh, there in the States. But uh, yeah, we still don't know the final outcome of this, but I reckon we should go and keep running with that one. Crimson Tide. Uh, look, uh, other great conversations on the program today. Aaron Binstead from Lazard Asset Management. Always fantastic to get his views. Very learned thinker and uh, explains things uh, very succinctly and easy to understand. So I enjoy listening to him. He had a bit of a chat about what's been going on in the US Treasury market and uh, linking it back to what's going on with corporate earnings. So well and truly worth your time to go and have a watch of that one in the show notes. Also, I sat down today and had a chat with David Lane from Audmanet. Talking about the energy sector, and we know that uh, Origin Energy has been lobbed a fresh uh, takeover bid coming through from a, a, a group, including a Canadian, the uh, Brookfield Group. So uh, still not trading to that uh, particular level that was uh, put through for the offer price. So there's a discount there. So looking across the, uh, the broader energy space and what that is, is valuation has done to Origin share price, gives a bit of a deep dive across the various you know, names out there at the moment, including... AGL Energy, which uh, was having its AGM today, and uh, Grok Ventures, of course, uh, having a lot of success there as well. Four board members that uh, nominated, all being successful to go on to that appointment. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. In principle, I you know agree with um, Canon Brooks's position on the environment, but. <laughs> This doesn't necessarily seem to be uh, well. In fact, I had a great conversation with Mark Humphreys Jenner uh, from the UN uh, University of New South Wales, who gave a lot of colour on that, and uh, I'll, I'll try and make sure that we put it online. But just talking about the potential conflicts when it comes to to the board and uh, directors working in the interests of shareholders and what that actually constitutes. And I don't know, as much as I agree with his position, I don't really like sort of effectively plutocrats buying their way into positions of power in corporate in the corporate world. So this feels a little uncomfortable to me. It'll be interesting to see how it actually works in practice when it comes to some of these governance issues and how these board members act because, you know, clearly they can't just be puppets for um, uh, for Cannon Brooks. Yeah. Buying influence, it's uh, its not new. It's been around for a long period of time. It's also in political circles as well. So it is interesting, you're right. And uh, it does sit uh, a little bit uncomfortable in a democracy, but uh, that's the way it's going at the moment, isn't it? So it's uh, something that we either will have to get used to or go and actually show some rebellion against. But uh, yeah, interesting to see how that, that all goes and plays out when it comes to AGL and its, uh, its future as an entity. And look, in light of all that, uh, that conversation, we decided to go make it our stock of the day on the course. So Koshi today sat down with Scott Phillips from A Motley Fool and also uh, having a chat with Kevin Robinson from Team Invest to go and get their take as to whether AGL is worth a nibble on. Take a listen. 
rare a large-scale board change means that big a difference to the company, but it clearly does here. There is a there is a Mike Cannon Brooks view uh, supported by those directors or vice versa. They're all buying into it. I'm not saying they're necessarily puppets for him, but he's put them up because he thinks they are going to achieve the vision he sees for the company. And so you better believe that Cannon Brooks's vision is the way the business will be run. If you like that, if you think it's going to create value for shareholders, and you're pretty happy. If you didn't like it yesterday, you're going to like it even less today. And yes, I, I tend to agree. It's not one that uh, meets our filters, of course. It uh, the uh, earnings per share has been going up and down, and uh, you know, so we don't see any any consistent sort of decent growth out of that. Well, in short, the answer is no. Uh, not willing to go and uh, take the bet. Uh, of course, AGL's been also lobbed to take over offer tour in its time. So who knows what's coming down the pipeline given what's going on with uh, Origin. But at this stage, no. Scott Phillips makes the point that uh, if you didn't like it yesterday, why well, would you like it today? And uh, probably a decent enough uh, assessment there. So we've covered off uh, what's coming up when it comes to domestic data. We saw the, uh, the Chinese data dump out today, Kyle. And uh, yeah, pretty soft, but you wouldn't know it by uh, the Chinese market reaction. Again, off to the, the races, probably uh, more stimmy hopes out there at this point in time. But yeah, it's, uh, it is a spluttering, sick economy at this point in time. Yeah, it certainly looks like it. I'm just uh, having a gaze across the numbers now. Industrial production, 5%. Expectations, 5.4%. Retail sales contracted by 0.5%. It was a uh, expected for a 0.7% expansion. Uh, so, oh, and fixed asset investment was slightly lower, but more or less in line with the expectations just down. Yeah, it doesn't look great, but I, I mean, it's uh, old news now, right? It's all about uh, this gradual, progressive reopening of the Chinese economy and all the goodness that will come with it. Um, investors don't seem to be particularly fast about the backward-looking stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll find out, but uh, looking at the uh, Chinese markets today, yeah, as I mentioned, off to the races, the Hang Seng is up a lazy 4% uh, and just after the other lunchtime break there. All the mainland indices up in the vicinity of 1.5% plus. Lots of excitement about the property sector there, I've got to say. It, uh, like we had a very brief discussion yesterday, I had some time last night to finally go and dig into the details. And uh, it ain't a stimulus package, it's a rescue package. And uh, to me, it's, uh, it's not going to be like a scenario we saw back in 2009, uh, no, 2016, 17, I think, where the last really big, big box uh, stimulus package came through the property market. It's, uh, it's a very different approach that's been taken here. So the implications for commodity demand, at least in my opinion, are probably going to be a lot less than what would otherwise be the case. Uh, what else, mate? What's, uh, what else can we go and hang our hat on? We've got some, uh, some pretty big corporate earnings coming out in the States as well. The big box retailers are going to be uh, at bat very soon. Give me some sense as to how the U.S. consumer is holding up for the time being. Yeah, and sort of forecasting sort of declines in compression, uh, declines in, in revenues as well as margin compression. And that's obviously going to take a sort of a hit to earnings. The biggest one I'll be watching is I don't think it's actually till uh, tomorrow. It'll be uh, Wednesday, Thursday morning, Wednesday perhaps, our evening. Anyways, Target. Um, good little barometer for the lower and middle income households and their spending patterns. So we'll be watching that uh, very closely. Um, the, the results, however, for Walmart and Home Depot are out this evening. Um, the other thing I just wanted to point out is just the FTX situation, because I'm just sitting on Twitter at the moment as we're chatting. And that SBF guy, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, is fried. Um, He's a lunatic. He's clearly a lunatic. I don't know if you're seeing this, um, the post that he's putting on Twitter at the moment as all this is unfolding, but just that what post followed by now, second H-A-P-P, all individual posts. I don't know what he's doing or what this is supposed to mean, but it is 
honestly getting weirder by the second and looks incredibly nefarious, um, especially now all that we know about the uh, dodgy goings-on uh, behind closed doors at FTX. Yeah, I've also seen that uh, Binance is launching an emergency fund to go and uh, help stabilize the sector and don't know, provide liquidity. And I just go and <laughs> got to ask the question, why do you need to go and raise more funds given all the, the information that we're coming out at the moment and, uh, and how tedious these business models are and what's actually in the books? A rescue fund for what? To bail out those who are already holding or I don't know, but uh, something doesn't smell right. And uh, yeah, be very careful that's out there, f- handing over your dough in this kind of environment. Obviously, that's a very what we're seeing across this. It's a very weird decision-making process because you'd be balancing on the one hand, okay, we're trying to basically put a floor under crypto assets so we can protect our asset base, but at the same time, we're potentially acquiring a whole bunch of toxic assets to 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 wear on our balance sheet. Um, I mean, maybe there's a rational choice or, or, or um, I suppose a, a rational decision being made balancing up those sort of pros and cons but I mean if this was any other market you couldn't uh, consolidate all of that risk onto the one balance sheet without you know being very very concerned that if everything blow up every, all, every uh, card in that house tumbles to the ground yeah be very centralised of course as well which would be kind of ironic <laughs> wouldn't that be great things, yeah yeah, a rescue fund, uh, supply with Trump lose coin and everything else uh, that was on the books of FTX <laughs> when it went belly up. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on what's going to seem to be a story that just keeps on giving for the time being. We'll see how it goes and unfolds over the next 24 hours. No doubt we'll get an update then. Look, uh, mate, I think we've covered it off all pretty nicely today. It's, uh, yeah, so not a lot of movement at the headline index level. A second day of very, very minuscule declines coming through for the local market, but still, in uh, essence, hanging around those five-month highs hit last week. We'll see what tomorrow will bring. Mate, thank you so much. Not always. Catch you tomorrow.